0: Hey guys, welcome to Apologetics Assembly. I'm Ben Mitten. And I'm Casey Finn. And today we're discussing the second part of our uh, series on the moral argument of what we're looking at, the, the arguments for the existence of God or the truthfulness of Christianity. And uh, Casey... Uh, What's the, what's the name of the book that you've been reading recently? Are you talking about it?
1: So I, I, um, I got this actually from the IVP Book Club. Okay. Great thing yeah. to subscribe to. All it's right. called The Morals of the Story, and it is by David Baggett and Mary Beth Baggett.
0: Okay. All right. And, and uh, I... <laughs> you want I, me to read this story? Yeah, I want you to read so this story. What I really have liked made.
1: about... One of the things I've liked about this book is yeah. it's just funny. And there's been a number of times when I have, you know, chuckled, and then a a handful of times that it's really made me laugh. And this, this story I thought was just great, so I want to read this to you. It says, A renowned philosopher was held in high regard by his driver. The chauffeur listened in awe at every speech while his boss would easily answer questions about ethics. And then one day he approached the philosopher and asked whether they could switch roles for the evening's lecture. The philosopher agreed, and for a while the driver handled himself remarkably well. Then it came time for questions from the guests. A woman in the back asked, Is your epistemological view of the universe still valid in an existentialist world? That is an extremely simple question, he responded. (laughs) So simple, in fact, that even my driver could answer it, which is exactly what he will do. (laughs)
0: Uh, I think that just really uh, underscores how... Sometimes these things are complicated. Yeah. Uh, they're not uh, easy. Um,
1: the well, and a lot of times, you know, we get a, gr- a grasp on on a part of it, and we feel pretty good, yes. and then we keep waiting, and we realize that there are further and further depths, and it just never seems to end.
0: Yes, that's that's exactly right. I mean, I can memorize this, this syllogism right here that we've been talking about. Right. Uh, easy. But then when it comes to defending the premises uh, and talking to someone who who has done some reading on the topic right. uh, who disagrees with me, it gets harder. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and so um, to, to, to go back through, so, so I've been reading uh, this section, so it's really a shorter section in William Lane Craig's book, Reasonable Faith, the, the third edition, and uh, it's, it's very well done. Uh, also looked at, uh, right for you, but not for me, and I'm struggling to remember now who the who the author is, but it's a book about moral relativism. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty
1: good. Um, oh, I, I did want to tell you too that the people who wrote this book, yeah, they have a website. Okay. Moralapologetics.com. Wow. And it is be... devoted purely to the moral argument and giving resources to sustain the moral argument.
0: That's and, and I, uh, you said a website, and that reminded me. Um, Michael Jones, if you're, interested, if you're a YouTube guy like I am or gal, um, go to Inspiring Philosophy, uh, their, his YouTube channel, and you can find uh, arguments uh, defining moral realism, defending moral realism, uh, which ultimately I think is, is simply what we mean when we talked about uh, moral objectivity. Mm-hmm. In other words, that, that there is a, a moral um, dimension that is, that is real. And so, uh, to go back through this argument, premise one, if God does not exist, objective moral values and duties do not exist. Premise two, objective moral values and duties do exist. And the conclusion follows. Three, therefore, God exists. And so, um, to talk about the word objective and just briefly define what that means, uh, and so, here's a good way to, uh, to think about it. And Craig uses this in his book. He says... Uh, If I said there is a rock on the planet Mars, there either really is a rock on planet Mars or there is not, regardless of whether someone uh, thinks so or not. And so uh, we're talking about something that is, uh, that's existence is not dependent upon someone else's personal. Feelings or opinions, right? Okay, so that's what I mean by objective. And a good way that I that I use to to think about it. Yeah, uh, this is personal to me, so it might not work for everybody. Whenever I think of subject, I think of I. Right. I am the subject. Mm-hmm. I think something. Right. You know, whenever I think of an object, I think of something outside of myself. Right. That's the object that I'm uh, uh, pointing to. Right. And so in this way, whenever I say there, there are. Uh, uh, objective moral realities I mean something outside of myself that I could see an action taking place and point to it right. and say that action over there is good or bad or, or right or wrong it's right. not
1: just your opinion and it's not just society's opinion it's yeah. outside of every human mind
0: right 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 and so uh, with the first premise about if, if God does not exist objective moral values and duties do not exist um, I think what we ultimately have to do is ask ourselves and put ourselves in the shoes of a of a person who says there is no God right. and think, what reason would there be to say that there really is objective moral values and duties? In, in other words, what reasons are there to think there truly is value to put on... Uh, Things events or people right, and uh, what duties meaning obligations or prohibitions do people have that is outside of themselves right and uh, and the answer that I come up with is is nothing, right, nothing I mean uh, given um, naturalism, uh, what reason do we really have to think that people or anything really is? Is more valuable, less valuable, or even valuable at all. Right. Um, so uh, can you can you think of anything that uh, any reason um, that makes sense to you? I'm not saying that people would right, that right, case, right, right but right. it makes sense to you that, that that people would want to say that others have value.
1: No, I mean I think if 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 nature and mm-hmm. material is all that there is, yeah, then there is no reason to attribute a a value yes. that is sort of transcendent yes. to anything on Earth because there is nothing that's transcendent, exactly. right? Exactly. I mean, if all there is that's, is what there is, yeah. then it's absurd to even talk about transcendent value. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, and and I don't know as as much about this, but I think this is one of uh, Frederick Nietzsche's. Issues like when, it, when, whenever he said you killed, you killed God. Right. Uh, things didn't make sense anymore. There was no uh, uh, up or down, so to speak. Right. Um, but I, I agree with you. So even though I think the the problem is, is that people really feel like there's there's moral objectivity, yeah. and yeah, that yeah. others have value and. And they feel like there are things that we ought to do and ought not to do. And for everybody, regardless of whether they think that God exists or that God does not exist, they want to. Something in them cries out to want to affirm these things, whether or not there's foundation for them.
1: And I think that's why people who, you know, I don't think we tend to think through these things. We just sort of, we intuit everything. We just sort of feel our way through life for the most yeah. part. People do. And so I, th- I don't think most people who would deny that there is a God, um, who you know, so any, somebody, the average person who would mm-hmm. consider himself an atheist, but it's not really given a lot of thought to these things. If you were to ask them about whether morality is true and objective, there's things that are absolutely wrong, they would agree. Mm-hmm. But then when you start to dig deeper and say, mm-hmm. well, why? Where would these things come from? there would be a struggle to try and find these things or explain these things or give an account to, for these yeah. things and, and their origin yeah. because it, yeah. it just, they don't make sense. If you if you yeah. really sit down and think about it, they don't make sense with a purely material universe. Yeah.
0: I think that that what you just said there is part of the reason why sometimes in a conversation, just talking about experience in a conversation, you'll often find the unbeliever wanting to shift a burden. Maybe he wants to talk about the uh, destruction of the Canaanites now. Right. Or he wants to know why God will allow so much evil in the world. Right. Uh, and other things. They don't really want to answer that question. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, in other words, point at the Christian and say, well, look at this. Right. You know? <laughs> like, well, and, and this, is,
1: this goes into what you just... Um, or, or, or the, the really, and I don't know if you're going here next, but the whole idea of there are some atheists mm-hmm. who will be honest yes, and admit that in their view, mm-hmm. there is no objective morality.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I got, I got two two quotes here, and one I, I, I mentioned in brief uh, uh, last week, and this is from Richard Dawkins. He says... Um, There is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pointless indifference. We are machines for propagating DNA. It is every living object's sole reason for being. Just think about that quote. No...
1: No, and, and nobody lives that way. Richard Dawkins does not live that way because if he did, he wouldn't bother. Why spend all this time advocating for this position yeah. when it? That's not help. I mean, unless he thinks it's going to help him get a woman, that's not helping him propagate his DNA.
0: Right. Right. And, and no purpose. Can you imagine living your life? With no purpose. No evil. No good. That means whenever you you see something horrible happen, you know just just a short while ago there was more um, these um, mass shootings uh, and to think that that happens and hey that wasn't evil to think that way to think that there was nothing that was really wrong about it you know besides the only thing really going on is we just have strong feelings about it well Well, and that
1: really did you see the Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, tweet I didn't I didn't where he said he, he listed out how many people had died from all of these different things and then gets down to the bottom. And basically, it it was saying that medical malpractice and all these things and and that we just allow our feelings to whatever. But what he's lost sight of and what he probably would deny is that all of these things aren't evil. You know what I mean? The other things that he's listing, the accidents and all these other things, they're not evil. This is why a mass shooting causes us to recoil more than yes. some of these other things yes. because this is an act of evil. It's
0: premeditated. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's not just, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> uh, another one. this is a philosopher of science who's also an atheist. Michael Ruse says, the position of the modern evolutionist is that humans have an awareness of morality because such an awareness is of biological worth. Morality is a biological adaptation, no less than our hands and feet and teeth. Considered as a rationally justifiable set of claims about an objective something, ethics is illusory. I appreciate that when someone says, love thy neighbor as thyself, they think they are referring above and beyond themselves. Nevertheless, such reference is truly without foundation. Morality is just an aid to survival and reproduction. Any... Sorry... And any deeper meaning is illusory. And so it's not just that. We're saying this. Uh, the, some of your most prominent uh, unbelievers or atheists who, who would you know write books or engage in debates, they're the ones putting this, this point forward that exactly whenever you follow the conclusion of naturalism right. uh, to its end, you end up with... Uh, moral nihilism, or th- that there is no objective moral values or duties, no good or evil; it's all simply uh, illusory, right? And just a, a mode of adaptation. You know, these guys. Whenever you think about it, it might it might sound harsh, um, but I I think that uh, Craig is right, and and also um, Richard Taylor. Whenever they're thinking about. That if if atheism is true and we just are um, evolved primates and there is no God, um, then human beings are just animals. Right. There. There really is no uh, no uh, moral duties or or more values. And and I love the example that's given here. And this is this is from Richard Taylor. He says such actions. Um, talking about if, if, if someone kills another. He says, Such actions, though injurious to their victims, are no more unjust or immoral than they would be if done by one animal to another. A hawk that seizes a fish from the sea kills it, but it does not murder it. And another hawk that seizes the fish from the talons of the first takes it, but does not steal it. For nothing of these things is forbidden. And exactly the same considerations apply to the people we are imagining. And so... Yes, if we we uh, ascribe these terms such as murder and thievery um, to things because we believe that there really is a moral dimension to such actions, the, the actions themselves. In other words, the object, catch it, objective, is truly good or evil. Um, <clears throat> and so I, I think that for me, that really that really does it for me, as far as the the case for premise one i I simply do not recognize any um, ontological grounding for moral objectivity from an atheist worldview. right, so I think that what what will happen is Mm-hmm.
1: because you still have to have a sense of morality, Yeah. right? So even most atheists... I think most atheists will not go the way of Richard Dawkins and say there is nothing, no. right? They will choose a different route. Yeah. For example, and this is one of the things that they mention in the morals of the story, yeah. is some of the alternatives yeah. to a theistic understanding of you know morals coming from a god, a personal mm-hmm. god, is is egoism, which okay. is what... Um, uh, what What is it? Ayn Rand? Um, that, that she... Uh, advocated for okay which is it's all about me okay yeah. and yeah. you know I I am the determiner of, of ethics mm-hmm. and so what mm-hmm. is moral is what's going to benefit me mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so this is one position that's yeah. out there yeah and um, Objectivism, I think, is what what they call it. Mm-hmm. So then, there's another one that's utilitarianism, yes. right? Which yes. is you know rooted in Jeremy Bentham and uh, yeah. John Stuart Mill, yeah. and this is the idea that what's good for everybody, what, what's going to benefit the whole community, yeah. um, is going to you know that's what's good. Yeah. Um, but both of these fail to deal with object something that's objective outside of themselves. In other words, yeah. it, it lends itself to the danger of. Injustice can happen, and there's no way to say this
0: is unjust. Right, right. Uh, it, it just to uh, The thing that fails for most um, ethical frameworks is they lack um, an ontological grounding. I mean, it, it, it's one thing to think about ethical theories, but what do you ultimately base that theory on? Right. What, what is the tool quote-unquote, that you would use um, to say that um, consequentialism or utilitarianism or or a certain deontological uh, theory of ethics is right. true or it really is the good, where right. it's a, a Platonistic view right. or, or whatever. And so... Uh, for me, I think that that was one of the biggest problems I had when I took a took a philosophy class at the community college, and I just kept asking the question. We were talking about uh, it was philosophy of ethics, and I kept asking the question about, well, you know, who's ultimately you come to this question of like what I've heard, you know, says who, right? And you know, you can you can say that whatever causes the most pleasure versus the most pain, that's really the good ethical theory, right. but. But really? according to who? According to who? Yeah. Uh, I mean it doesn't work all the time no. uh, And so
1: that, well, and I think part of the problem with a lot of these theories that mm. are non-theistic yeah. is the, the real genuine justice, what mm. we think of when we talk about justice yeah. is it, it can't exist. yeah. yeah. Um, and people are going to slip through the cracks there's going to be injustices mm-hmm. done and there's nothing that you mm-hmm. can say mm-hmm. to to claim that they are truly an injustice mm-hmm. unless there is a transcendent you know source of morality and yeah. right and wrong and justice yeah. and injustice
0: yeah and so uh, that brings us to premise 2 and uh, and you're you're right that most people and this is this is not just lay people but most uh, people in the uh, in the field of philosophers who get paid to think about these things do affirm the objectivity of moral values and duties, um, <clears throat> which uh, really shouldn't come as a surprise. I think every day, especially I mean, thinking about for for myself, people that I know, people that listen to this podcast every day when they wake up, they make the decision of whether or not they they truly affirm that there are things that are good and that are evil even if it means sacrifice for them right. uh and and they recognize that uh there is a what what c.s lewis would say is an, an oughtness about like um if you promise me that you'll you know pay for my lunch tomorrow i'll pay for yours today right and if you show up tomorrow and they don't pay for your lunch you're kind of there's there's something in you that screams out this is not right right uh Even in the smallest decisions, everybody becomes what we said last time, a specialist in the the realm of morality. And so what uh, some would say is that to affirm that there are objective moral values and duties is not something that I necessarily have to um, give premises that that lead to a conclusion that therefore there's objective moral values and duties. Uh, It is just the default position. In other words, it's, it's, it's the same as talking to a solipsist and then saying I deny the existence of the external world right. prove to me that it exists
1: right.
0: well that's going to be difficult uh, but the default position is that there truly is a world of physical objects around us and there's other minds outside of yours uh, and so uh, anyone who would want to deny the objectivity of moral values and duties and, and this comes from a um, from a debate I cannot remember uh, what the the uh, the lady's name who who said this, and I might have to uh, to look it up. But any <coughs> argument against the reality of moral values and duties, uh, objective moral values and duties, is going to be based on premises that are less obviously true than the uh, morals and valu- moral values and duties themselves. Right, 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 right. And so it's more obvious. In
1: other words. That moral morality is true, and there's a yeah. there are objective morals than any other
0: reason you could give to doubt them.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Right. right.
0: Yeah. Uh, the reasons that you would give yeah. would be less plausible. Yes. And uh, and I think that uh, that's a that's just a, a really good point. Uh, we intuitively recognize these things. In other words, no one. Uh, well, I say no one. This is most of the time people don't have to reason to the the good thing to do. Right. They just know the good thing to do, yeah. uh, intuitively speaking. Um, and those, I think, give us good good reason to accept the reality of objective moral values and duties. And so uh, most of the time, whenever you're talking to people on the street, you're not going to have a hard time convincing them of, of this. Just giving a few clear-cut examples does the case. Uh, do you think it's wrong to torture children for fun? Uh, do you think there's any moral difference between loving someone and uh, and hating them without reason? Right. Uh, and if the answer to those questions is yes, then uh, there are, there is moral difference. It is wrong to torture children for fun. Then you affirm uh, moral objectivity. If if that is that you would say that it is wrong, even if someone else disagrees with you. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think, too, so here's here's another thought, and I mentioned to you before the podcast, but that that they bring out in this book that I think is, is worth recognizing. Um, a guy named A.E. Taylor, okay, mm-hmm. who uh, lived in the 18 to 1900s, um, he focused on the, the idea of human guilt.
0: Okay. okay, okay.
1: And so you think, not only do you think it would be wrong, but mm-hmm. how about this question? If you murdered somebody... Mm-hmm. And you got away with it. Yeah. Do you think you would feel guilty?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I have. Ways. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Um, and this is something that he talks about. He Let me just read you this. He identifies five characteristics that set human moral guilt apart. Mm-hmm. Human guilt involves true condemnation of our behavior and not just because we got caught. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, I, I've heard stories of people committing crimes and getting away with it and then turning themselves in because of the weight ...of the guilt that was on them.
0: That happens. I mean, it's not... It's not really rare. I mean, it is in the sense of of all the crimes that are committed. Right. But it does happen from time to time. And there's no,
1: you know, sensical reason for that to happen. No. If you're going with the idea that objective morals don't exist. So he says moral guilt is indelible. Even punishment doesn't do away with it. There's still a sense of guilt. Yes. You know? We recognize that our guilt deserves punishment uh justice demands punishment for our wrongdoing but forgiveness marks love and perfection and then we sense that we have sinned against a person not just against mm-hmm. an impersonal principle mm-hmm. and he lays these out as pointing towards this idea of of guilt existing well why would guilt exist if objective
0: morals didn't exist yeah yeah that's a that's a really good really good point i uh and i i can't pass up this uh this opportunity so this uh this was a uh, an unscripted, quote-unquote, uh, part of the <laughs> podcast, but it's very interesting to me. Now, when I look at Jesus, uh, uh, he forgave people uh, as if they sinned against him primarily. Right, right, right. And right. it's just really interesting to think about a man walking around and, uh, you know, who, was, uh, who would wash the feet of servants to, to show humility. But uh, anybody who we would say who forgave another uh, of a sin that wasn't committed against them, we would say they're prideful, they're arrogant, but, but not Jesus, you yeah. know, <laughs> and they did it. So that's the only true release of the guilt. Yeah. That's, the only, that's the only place where freedom can be found. Absolutely. Uh, and so, um, yes, I think that we have good good reasons uh, to to affirm That uh, premise one is true. That if God does not exist, there are uh, then moral objective moral values and duties do not exist. And then premise two that objective moral values and duties do exist. And because of that, I think we can stand uh, firmly um, with the conclusion that therefore God exists. Now next week we'll come to uh, what what have people said in response to the two premises and the arguments offered for them, what do they, uh, what do they say? And we'll talk about that next week. So, anything left to add, Casey?
1: Nope, it sounds good. I'm looking forward to next week.
0: All right. Well, thanks for joining us on Apologetic Sampleship. We'll see you next time.